We're talking deals, deals, deals on this energy edition of Industry Focus. Greetings, fools. I am Sean O'Reilly, joining you here from Fool Headquarters in Alexandria, Virginia. And I am joined today by Tyler Crow and Taylor Muckerman. How are you today, guys? Most excellent. Doing pretty good, man. It's been a pretty exciting week. Yeah, how about those games last night before we dive into the stock market uh, here? Well, that's maybe not the most exciting part of the week if uh, you're a DC fan, us being in Alexandria, Virginia and all. There's a lot of them around here. There's some sports hangover going on around There's the, a, the office. The jerseys were definitely out around Full HQ yesterday. Yeah. And, and uh, not so much today. And it's unfortunate, too, because there's a lot of Rangers fans in the building. Womp womp. Womp womp. Anyway. Okay. Uh, so, uh, obviously, oil's fallen 50% since last year, and you know, everybody since then has been talking about, you know, oh, this is going to be finally, we're going to see some mergers and all this stuff, and we're finally starting to see some. And that's, of course, what you were alluding to, Tyler. Um, so this Monday it was announced. The big news the uh, Monday morning came out. I think I got a push notification on my phone from Bloomberg at like 7.30 a.m. But uh, Noble Energy is That's buying. very millennial of you. It is, push yeah. Push notifications from yeah. Bloomberg. For all our listeners, we were having a debate about what defines a millennial. We'll probably have a, a foolish chat about it later. Push there's, a, there's a quiz on Bloomberg is halfway there because one, it, it is because you're getting a push notification, but it's not because it's from Bloomberg. That's true. There's a quiz on Pew Research if you guys want to take a look at that. Oh, man. Wait, so what? Anyway, okay. So my push notification that I got, because I'm a millennial that works in the financial industry, uh, Noble Energy is stepping up to the plate and buying Rosetta Resources. This is the first, I don't know, would you say it's the first oil-related play? Because obviously Shell did their deal. That was more of a natural gas thing. Um, but At, uh, at least in the American uh, shale yeah. Continental space, United this is, States. This yeah. is the, um, the first shale related deal that we've seen so far this year that is of major note. You know, there might have been a couple small transactions, but this was actually like a serious buy. Right. So uh, obviously Rosetta stock, they're being bought out, so it was up 25 30%. But uh, interestingly enough, Noble, as I recall, fell like 7 8% at most. What, uh, why did they're paying in stock? Why, why do you guys think that happened? I don't know. I was kind of surprised by that big of a drop. They didn't pay a terribly high premium for it. It's actually below the average of like I guess I read. I didn't calculate myself, but I read that it's below the average of the last like five years or so for deals like this. Only twenty eight percent above the last thirty days of trading activity. So uh, it was thirty eight percent on the on the day, but it was only twenty eight percent increase over the last thirty days. So I don't understand exactly why. It seems like it's a good diversification play. Um, They're getting they, more Texas-based shale. Oh, they don't have any Texas-based like shale this until this deal. So, um, and they get into the highly performing Eagle Ford and the highly promising Permian. I, I guess if I were to venture a guess, I, I'm not completely certain as to why uh, the investors may have been a little bearish on Noble following this deal. But if I were to venture a guess, the two things that I would see about this was the assumption of Rosetta's debt, which was about $1.8 billion. Uh, it sounds like a big number, but if you look at adding, the... Adding debt in the current energy markets right, not the best. doesn't sound like the know. best idea. However, if you look at uh, Noble, the combined company's um, debt profile, it doesn't change things too, too drastically, and the, both companies will be, still be in relatively good... Uh, I guess you could say liquidity solvency metrics in terms of like total debt to EBITDA, things like that. It still looks pretty good. Uh, The other thing that may be of question uh, is the fact, like uh, uh, Taylor just said, Noble doesn't really have any exposure in Texas. So it's not like we're doing a big overlap where these two companies like, oh, yeah, we have been sharing property for 
10 years, we know exactly what each other has and we can kind of, you know, use cost synergies and economic, uh, well economics to kind of improve on that. It's basically we're straight up buying Rosetta and we're hoping that the well economics that they have is going to be good enough in the future. So since the carnage in the oil industry started, people have been talking about how some of the majors or just the big players would start using this opportunity to snatch up, you know, shares of uh, shale producers on the cheap. Do you like this deal, Tyler? Um, here's how I look at this deal. Uh, more than anything else, let's look at uh, Rosetta Resources as a pure reserve replacement cost. Like, if you were to ta- tally up all of the proved reserves that Rosetta Resources has uh, based on the the price that Noble paid, including the debt, we're looking at about $13.65 per proven barrel of oil in the ground. That sounds very reasonable to me. It is very reasonable. It's actually, for Noble, it's a six, uh, 18 to 20% reduction on its what it has been traditionally its reserve replacement costs. So that is pretty good. It's not a huge deal, but at the same time, it's enough to, you know, change the dynamics of the company. Yeah, as I recall, um, you sent over a report to me like a month ago when I was looking at EOG, and um, they calculated the reserve replacement cost. Like, what's it cost a lot of these companies to go out and find and replace the reserves and everything? It's, I mean, the best is like $18. So this sounds very reasonable. Yeah, most most companies in this space, if total reserve replacement costs are somewhere, uh, some of the gas, better gas companies are doing it for under you know, in the eight to twelve range, but somebody who's so heavy in oil, such as a Rosetta Resources, it, having it that low is 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 quite good. Um, so, if there are a bunch of companies out there, like you said, there's big oil companies. There's also some of the larger independent oil and gas players that have much higher reserve replacement costs. And if the industry were to use this as the new merger and acquisition like benchmark saying, okay, your the value of oil and gas today is $13.50, give or take, per proven barrel in the ground, you know, there are a lot of people out there who would say that is a pretty good target and we're going to go after some people. So what does this mean for the industry going forward? Is this the first of many kind of shale acquisitions that we think we're going to see? I think after the Shell BG deal, that everyone's like, oh, the floodgates are going to open. They didn't for a couple weeks. Then this deal I'm happened. I'm surprised it took this long. Yeah. Like, you know? <laughs> Barron's had another headline. Oh, with this deal, the, sh- the floodgates are going to open. Um, I haven't seen another big acquisition um, other than a couple that we're going to talk about, but they're really unrelated. Um, so you would imagine that you would see some more big deals, but there really isn't any uh, indication that there are some in the works. One thing that I do remember hearing, and this is just maybe part of it, may not, I'm not completely sure, but uh, Kinder Morgan CEO Richard Kinder a little while ago uh, was kind of lamenting that there is an awful lot of cheap capital out there uh, for the oil and gas industry still, even at prices today, uh, which is kind of propping up a lot of people who may or may not have been, uh, who, who may or not may or may not deserve that sort of cheap capital. And something like that could slow down this process. If, you know, a great example, Whiting Petroleum a while ago, they were looking to buy, you know, get bought out. The prices weren't that attractive at that time. And they said, we can still access enough capital, keep ourselves going and not have to sell out at a, at a bargain basement price. So if you have something like that going on, it's going to kind of hold back some of these deals. That's I guess that does kind of make sense because... Um when you look at the 2007 
an eight oil collapse. Banks were not lending out any money during no, the financial collapse. Anything. And then in the eighties, interest rates were a heck of a lot higher than they are now. So you can imagine that companies that weren't highly rated would be paying a darn near fortune to to get some money lent to them. So yeah, that does make a lot of sense. That's an interesting point you brought up, Tyler, with whiting because I completely forgot about that. But there were no takers and everything. I almost wonder if there were takers. Whiting didn't like any of the deals. Right. Yeah. I think it was, I think it was just too early on for people to really offer a deal that that suited their fancy because it was like the market had just been crushed. People were still trying to figure out what the heck just happened. Yeah, I think right. oil was less than fifty dollars a barrel yeah. at that right. time. Yeah, I almost wonder if Noble would have gotten a better reaction from investors had they they would have used up most of the cash on their on their balance sheet, but had they paid cash or something and not taken on debt and all that. Good it's stuff. hard to. It's. I mean, we'd have to go back. Pure speculation. Yeah, it was all yeah. shares and debt. Yeah, very good. Well, uh, moving on, we actually had a deal the other day pop up as well. Williams Companies is buying out the limited partnership, the Williams Limited Partnership. Um, that obviously was you know good for shareholders, Williams partners, and everything. Uh, what are the details, Tyler or Taylor? I um, basically thirteen point eight billion dollars just snapping up their their Williams partners. Who uh, had they always been separate? I guess Tyler, you said it was two thousand five. Five. So yeah. it's been like ten years yeah. since the partnership has been publicly traded, which seems pretty early on to me. I don't know in the grand scheme of MLPs, but it definitely seems like they were one of the pioneers, and they've certainly grown to be one of the larger. Um, arrangements of this kind. Uh, obviously not the size of Kinder Morgan, who consolidated in a $44 billion deal, um, but uh, this is a pretty meaningful play. And if you're if you're a smaller MLP out there, you're definitely wondering, you know, what the heck do they know that I don't? Well, my guess is, more than anything else, um, and, when, and one of the things that they did mention uh, on this deal, it, pretty much the Williams partner or Williams Company's acquisition of its MLP comes down to more than anything is accounting, uh, account taxes and incentive distribution rights. That's what I was wondering because at least with the you know the Noble and Rosetta deal, Rosetta stock is down big time from you know last summer. Whereas Williams Partners, it's just been hanging out, not really going up, not really going down. And I was like, why? Why now? Well, so let's let's talk about these two big things that are a big reason that Williams Partners is is doing this deal right now, and that's uh, incentive distribution rights and uh, depreciation, or for, in other words, taxes. Uh, Starting off with IDRs, incentive distribution rights for listeners who don't know what these are, these are basically a management fee that a a limited partnership like Williams Partners would pay to its uh, general partner. Basically, at the end of every quarter, the the limited partner will say, we have this much cash that we can distribute to uh, unit holders. And the general partner says, okay, through our incentive distribution rights, we get X percentage of that before you distribute out to each individual share. The, the bigger that lump goes, the larger the percentage actually goes to the general partner. Uh, you know, They get it for management and fees and whatnot. However, the longer and longer that you have these, the bigger the percentage get, cut gets. It makes it more expensive to grow. Uh, it you know to raise those distributions which incense shareholders to actually buy your stock it becomes harder and harder to do uh, for the partnership you mean well yeah yeah and in this case that you have to just know that companies have different incentive distribution right so I think was Enbridge doesn't even have them some don't uh, yeah, like Williams Enbridge company does not. definitely Williams does. did yep. uh, this past quarter the Williams partners 
uh, the limited partner would have paid or did pay based on some back of the napkin calculations I did, uh, they paid about $215 million in incentive distribution rights. So we're looking at eight to $900 million per year in just management fees that Williams Partners has to pay to the general company. You do that, it increases your cost of capital and makes it more difficult to access the debt markets, more uh, difficult to raise new equity, makes it more expensive to build. And now when you have Williams Company, who is, um, I want to say in the 20 to $30 billion range, they have $30 billion in projects they want to build over the next 15, 10, 15 years, which is about the same size as Kinder Morgan, who is way, way bigger than way they bigger. are. So if you're looking at trying to build out that much, cheap capital is going to be huge for them. So eliminating your IDRs is a big, big win for that. Then you've also got the depreciation and tax breaks. Williams Partners said over the next 15 years that this deal will uh, save them $2 billion in taxes. And a lot of people will say, well, how the heck is that possible? And it all comes down to depreciation. You know, If you have an asset, you're allowed to depreciate it, basically saying it's not worth as much today as it was yesterday because we're going to have to replace it, fix it, whatever. It's going to cost more. Uh, so after you know, 10, 15 years, all of that – the ability to depreciate that asset – goes down you know, because the value of it is less. However, when you sell a company, that depreciation clock is reset because you're buying it back for a book value again. And so over the next 15 years, basically, Williams Company has been able – can take that asset that was de- well depreciated as the partnership for the past 10 years bring it back up to a book value level and then redepreciate it so again. So they've been doing the depreciation since 2005 mm-hmm. and now they get to reset the clock. They get to reset the clock and redepreciate those things. Uncle Sam loses. For 10, no. 15 years. <laughs> about, yeah, uh, that's about $2 billion over the next 15 years. Calling it like I see it. <laughs> Very good. Well, thank you guys for your thoughts. And thanks for listening, Fools. That is it for us. But before we go, I wanted to make our listeners aware of a special offer for all of our industry-focused listeners. If you found this discussion informative and you're looking for more foolish stock ideas, Stock Advisor may be the service for you. It is our flagship newsletter started more than 10 years ago by Motley Fool co-founders Tom and David Gardner. We are offering the lowest price out there for our industry-focused listeners. It is $98 for a two-year subscription to Stock Advisor. You'll get two stock recommendations every single month with insight from our team of analysts. Just go to focus.fool.com to take advantage of that deal. What was that What was that URL again? It is focus.fool.com. Okay. And uh, as always, people on this program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against those stocks, so don't buy or sell anything based solely on what you hear on this program. That's it for us, fools. Thanks for listening, and fool on. Fool on.